And welcome back, everyone, to the Brandon Burns Show. You're here with your host, Brandon Burns, and your very special guest, Bo Arnfield. How are you? I'm good, Brandon. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. It's good to have you on the show. I've been excited about this episode for some time. So we're going to talk to Bo about his journey today and what he's currently involved in, and we're also going to get him to give some great advice and share his experience with our startup audience. So just quickly at the head, I'd like to say thanks so much to everyone who's tuned in via YouTube. Thanks so much for subscribing. Don't forget to review us. And those of you listening on your iOS and Android, thanks so much for joining us on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and many more. SoundCloud, don't forget that one as well. All right, guys, so thanks for joining us. We're going to get straight into today's episode and talk to our amazing entrepreneur and uh, and, and special guest, Bo, about his journey. So, Bo, good to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. And obviously, I've, I've heard great things. I've, I've been tracking your journey now for the last couple of months. And what's impressed me the most, I think, is the amount that you've achieved in such a short amount of time. So yeah, it's been a whirlwind. Yeah, sure, but sure. um, so maybe what I'll get you to do is just share with the audience, for those listening and watching, um, where it all started and what you're currently up to. Yeah, for sure. So I guess in a nutshell, um, at the moment, I'm a full-time uh, law arts student, uh, but approximately one year ago... Uh, at Deakin? At Deakin University, Fantastic. yeah. And, uh, but about a year ago, I guess the buzzword of entrepreneur and entrepreneurship... Um, crossed paths with myself and, and, I, and I was curious. Um, I would heard this word before, but I didn't understand maybe what it meant um, and, and the things that I could do with it. So um, I explored. Uh, yep. and, and luckily for me at Deakin University, we have a fantastic startup program called Spark Deakin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I applied for that. And luckily enough, I was successful to be accepted into a hackathon weekend. How many get accepted? Uh, so it was uh, 50 accepted with about 150 uh, applicants. Do you have to be a student at the university to get accepted? So, uh, no, you don't. You can be a student, staff, or alumni. Great. Um, so affiliated with Deakin, yes. uh, there, there can be others external to Deakin University. However, there's a, there's a strong emphasis on building the community within Deakin University. Uh, and what, what's the application process like? So the application process was essentially uh, describing a business idea you may have had, yes. uh, describing any sort of uh, innovative and disruptive traits you may have, what you're looking forward to, uh, maybe some some ideas towards uh, creating and innovating in an established environment, yes, uh, and maybe some sort of impact or value you can provide to the university or external to the university in uh, whatever your capacity or interest may be. Great. So, yes. so you're currently at the Burwood campus. I'm currently at the Burwood campus. But this yes. program runs across Geelong, yeah. as well, Warrnambool as well. Uh, mainly uh, at Burwood and Geelong. Yes, uh, they're hoping to obviously as the program grows and and newer ideas and bigger ideas come to fruition, it will expand to the third campus. But yep. at the moment, it's solely in uh, Burwood and Geelong. Okay, awesome. Yep. So Deacon Spark. So that's that's um really been something that's sparked your interest in entrepreneurship. For sure, for sure. And so I, yeah, okay, great. And yeah. um, what was what was the experience like? I mean, obviously, you've had an idea that's come to fruition now, which is in the works. Yep. But before we reveal that to the audience, tell me about your experience of going through a collaborative program like Spark yep. and the advantages that provided yeah. once you're in that environment with your idea and, and you know, incubating. Yeah, for sure. So I guess I urge anyone who is interested in entrepreneurship or just finding more about um, adaptability and, and business and innovation to uh, seek these kinds of programs at universities and external as well. There's some fantastic, fantastic programs around. But I guess what it really did for me was it gave me a, a quick guide and a really fantastic and robust introduction into the startup world. Uh, so the, the day, the, uh, the program, sorry, was constructed over three days. Yes. Uh, the first day we all got there and we learned 
how to come up with an idea, what is an idea, rather than creating a product or a service, we're there to find a solution to a problem. That's a great point. Okay, so just to break that down. Yeah, for sure. So walking into a program like that, was it quite confronting being told straight away, look, before you even go peddling your idea for an amazing product or service, let's actually understand how you actually execute a proper idea for sure. And are you solving a problem? For sure. And such such a simple uh, change in trajectory with your thinking made such a huge impact. I think uh, mm-hmm. prior to going to that program, going through Spark, I thought entrepreneurship meant let's find the next cool thing like an Apple iPhone or let's find something really sort of creative and, and gimmicky and, and you know let's sell it to people because that's what people want. When in yeah. actual fact, the most successful products and services are those that solve real issues and provide solutions to problems. Yep. So that's that's one of the most fundamental things that I took from the program yes. and, and one of the most basic and fundamental aspects of entrepreneurship, I think, too, as well. Yep. So, yeah, so the program started off and we all had to come up, we all had to understand, okay, what, what is a solution to a problem? Mm-hmm. From that, it's ideation and creation. Mm-hmm. How, do we, how do we pitch this? And the whole concept of the program is by the third day, you then have a complete pitch deck. You understand your consumer market, your target markets, yes. who you're selling to. You understand your unique sales proposition, what mm-hmm. makes you different to everyone else, and why should people be interested in this product or service. Yep. So the, th- the three days took us over all those steps, really in depth. We got our hands dirty, went out and interviewed real potential customers, did mm-hmm. cold calls on the phone. We sent our emails, created uh, electronic digital marketing schemes and campaigns, templates, uh, and, and one of the biggest concepts that was integrated was the whole idea of lean business. Yes. Um, obviously adapted from the, the Lean Startup, which is a fantastic book, and I, and yep. I urge everyone to read that. Eric Rees? Eric Rees. Eric Rees with R-I-E-S. R-I-E-S. Beautiful. Yes. And it's called The Lean... The Lean Startup. The Lean Startup. Okay, cool. So yeah. just, just before I let you go further on that, so Spark yep. Deegan, three-day event. Yep. Was that the Startup Hackathon weekend? It was the Startup Hackathon so, weekend. So how many... So you got three days across a weekend. How did you find time to actually leave campus and go and interview real customers? Well, I was so being in the build campus. I actually applied for the Geelong Startup Weekend. Yep. Um, I think that I, I purely did that to get outside my comfort zone because I thought you know throwing myself in the dark that's where I'm going to grow the most uh, in such an unknown and unfamiliar environment. And fortunately enough, the Deakin Waterfront campus is here on the foreshore in Geelong. Yep. Uh, which gave us great accessibility to people on the foreshore, mm-hmm. uh, at the beach, at cafes, and, and such a, a such a vast demographic as well that we could really test, okay, who is our target demographic and who is going to be the most interested with our potential product or service. Okay, cool. So to me, what's standing out here is that you can educate yourself so much with reading and watching videos online and understanding the concept of entrepreneurship. Yep. But it appears at the time you get across like a three-day weekend intensively with others collaborating seems invaluable. Like did that speed up your oh, um, your understanding of a startup? 100% because yeah. I, think, I think the real main benefit of doing that is you're surrounding yourself with other like-minded people. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite quotes of all time is you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So instantaneously by immersing yourself in a program where there's 50 to 55 others who are exactly like you and are interested and are curious, you're instantly going to become the average of that curiosity. Yep. And you're all, we all learn together and there's people there that were at different stages of their entrepreneurial journey to me. Some yes. were like me and were very fresh. Others were um, more developed and had a more refined idea of what they wanted to do. Yep. But actually immersing yourself in that environment, uh, you, you just learn 
uh, so much more. I mean, reading books and consuming other media is fantastic, but throwing yourself in those situations where you have to step up to the game yes. uh, and you have to immerse yourself in, an, in such an unfamiliar environment, uh, I think that's where the most knowledge and the most, uh, the most beneficial uh, experiences come from. Okay, so um, did you go into this program with a rough idea in mind of a product or a service and did that quickly change and pivot to something else? See, that was interesting. I, th- I sort of had a bit of a different view on how I was going to approach the program. So um, I guess like we'll, we'll talk about soon, I did have my idea of spare pair. Yep. But I think for me, um, I wanted to go in there and understand how to adopt someone else's passion and adopt yep. someone else's idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that, uh, you know, I like to take the lead on things and I like, I find myself being a leader in some situations, but I thought I really want to develop my teamwork skills and understand how to immerse myself with someone else's passions and someone else's dreams. How can I be a more effective team leader in that environment? Um, So that gave me a fantastic opportunity to do that as well. Um, which I think was different to a lot of people. A lot of people went in there just um, wanting to push their idea, push their idea. But I think if you go in there with an open mind Mm -hmm. and you learn to accept everyone's great ideas and really immerse yourself in their passions too, you'll Mm -hmm. gain a more robust and comprehensive understanding of the startup landscape. Okay. So question for you, and this is something we've noticed a lot. We had um, angel investor and chairman of Runway Geelong, Nick Stanley, on a couple of months ago, and he mentioned that very rarely does he see startups that are a solo person involved quite often. And and he said, look, for success to be a chance, he really does think it needs to be teams, two to three. Talk me through whether you began on your own or whether you quickly assumed a partner and someone to collaborate with and how that's turned out. For sure. So I think uh, with my idea... Uh, and what we're growing at the moment, it start, It did initially start out solo. I had, mm-hmm. I had the idea myself, um, but I quickly realized that it's, it's strength in numbers. Yep. Um, and you have to really build a team around your weaknesses. Yes. Understand what you're good at, mm-hmm. but also don't try and kid yourself into thinking that you're good at everything. <clears throat> yep. Um, and it's that whole concept of automation, delegation, elimination. Yep. So if Say that again. Automation, delegation, elimination which is a fantastic concept to adopt. Um, if things are bogging you down, can you automate it? How can you automate it? Um, if, if, it if it's just automation isn't working for you, how can you delegate it? And if you're a solopreneur or if you're purely doing it to trying to be in the limelight yourself, then you're doing it for the wrong reasons, I think. So for me, um, going and finding my co-founder, who also happens to be my best mate of 10 years, was the best thing I've ever done. Sharing a passion and an idea with him, um, he has skill sets that I don't have um, and vice versa too. Yes. And we're, we're, we're slowly realizing and quickly realizing that the best way to be the most effective is to bring people on who sort of satisfy your weak points and provide invaluable assets themselves to the team. So I definitely think that uh, collab- collaborative efforts are extremely beneficial in cool. the long run. Unreal. Okay, so I guess probably this time of the episode we'll, we'll get down to revealing what exactly is your startup. Yeah, sure. So maybe um, give me some context into how it came about, the problem you're solving, and what it's actually called. For sure. So, yeah, at my startup social enterprise company is called Spare Pair. How do you spell that? So S P A I R. Yes. P A I R. Dot com. Dot com. Dot A U? Uh, just dot com. Dot com. All right, so sparepair.com for those of you watching, listening to check it out. 
Sure. Don't go to the link if you're driving and you listen to this podcast. <laughs> Wait until you're pulled over. But that's the website. Go ahead. Tell me all about cool. it. So like I said, about a year ago, I was really interested in entrepreneurship. What is entrepreneurship? And like I said, I thought it was find a product, find a service, make it cool and sell it to people. Yep. And I had some terrible ideas, some really, really bad ideas. Um, you have to get through the bad ones to get to the good ones. For sure, for sure. writing a hit song, yeah? Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And I've got, a, I've got a black book that I always carry around with me and I've got some of my worst ideas, which were actually the most beneficial to me because I saw how can I pivot from that and yeah. how can I learn from my mistakes and create something that's actually going to provide a solution to a problem rather than just a thing. Yep. So myself, I find a lot of value in helping others who don't have access to help. And uh, I find myself uh, really throwing, throwing myself in situations where I can provide value to, to those who don't have access. Yes. So I do a lot of volunteering. I'm involved with a lot of charitable organizations. Mm-hmm. And that's a big passion and a big, and a big part of who I am. Yes. So I started volunteering at a homeless kitchen. Wow. And uh, I was there with my, my grandma. She volunteers there as well. So it's time to spend with her and time to give back as well and provide to people who don't have a lot. And while I was there, I noticed that my underwear was really uncomfortable. Okay, and let's go there. Yeah, it, it just, it's, it's a little abstract, but this Those is... Those of you listening and watching squirming in your seat, you can probably relate. You can relate. That's no, if you wear it, but that's another story. That's another story. Part, that's yeah. another story. But anyway, so I noticed I had this issue myself. I was uncomfortable with my underwear. I just bought these underwear. They were sort of cheap, but they were there and, I'm a, and I don't really like buying underwear myself. You bought, the, you bought male underwear, didn't you? I bought male underwear. Yeah, okay, I bought male underwear. that. Okay, yep. I bought male underwear. Yep. yep. A uh, boxer brief cut, if you want Beautiful. to be specific. Yep. Anyway, um, so I was there and I noticed that I was having this problem myself. Yep. The underwear I was wearing, they weren't very conforming. They weren't very comfortable. Yep. And I was having an issue. The aha moment. You turned to your grandmother. I turned to my grandma. I said, grandma, I have a problem. <laughs> and then I thought to myself, there's plenty of guys out there and girls who surely would have uncomfortable underwear. And I thought, this is a problem that I want to fix for myself mm-hmm. and for others. But surrounding myself in this environment of those who don't have a lot, I realized, wait a minute, the people, in the, the demographic that I'm dealing with yes. don't even have access to the problems that I'm having. Mm-hmm. You see, there's about 3 million people living below the poverty line in Australia. So and over 10% of our population. Over 10%. And, and globally, it's about 1.6 billion. Wow. So there's a huge issue there. <clears throat> and I thought they don't have access to some of the most basic luxuries in life, such as clean, fresh, durable underwear. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the first thing you put on in the morning, yep. the last thing you take off at night, yes. and it's something that's severely overlooked and, and can make you feel a whole lot better, makes you feel like a new person. Yep. Uh, and we don't really think about it. And if you look for someone who doesn't have access to these sort of resources, and, and people who are homeless as well and who are struggling financially, underwear's not the first thing they're going to buy, mm-hmm. especially for men and especially for women as well. There's massive hygiene issues, um, and, and just it's just a, a, a thing in life that I think that everyone should have access to. Everyone should have the right to look good and feel great. Mm-hmm. And that's where spare came, spare pair came along. And I thought, wait a minute, why don't I provide a solution to my problem, being a great quality pair of underwear, mm-hmm. but also provide that to someone else in need? Right. And that's when secondary thoughts started coming into play. So that that was my initial idea. And I thought, wait a minute. There's a lot of apprehension around the issue of homelessness. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of apprehension around uh, seeing someone on the street or seeing someone in need and doing something. And you see this a lot. In fact, I sat down with a man who was on the streets in the city on Monday. He walked past about 35 people. No one did a single thing. I went up and spoke to him and then all of a sudden everyone wanted to help. Everyone wanted to be his best friend. Wow. 
So just by taking some affirmative action, it creates the biggest reaction. You know, it's the little things that can make the biggest difference, I think. And so I thought there's a lot of people out there who have good hearts. They just need that, they just need that platform to do something about it. Yep. And they get something in the process. So the whole concept of spare pair is you buy a pair of underwear and we donate the exact same pair to someone else in need. Mm-hmm. So you're becoming a vicarious vehicle for change in the fact that we're providing a platform where the consumer gets something really good mm-hmm. and they're doing something really good as well with no effort required. So I love it. Let me ask you, and look, everyone would ask you all different kinds of questions and it's everyone else's job to pick apart for everyone sure, else's for startup. Sure. You but, got it, you got it. But no, what I'm keen to learn is, so you, you purchase a pair. Correct. Then you want to select to donate that same pair to... A homeless person, for example. Correct. Does that homeless person register with you or does a charitable organisation affiliated with you disperse that pair to someone yeah. within their space? Fantastic question. So so one of the main things we're looking to do is partner with mobile laundry services. Okay. Um, and we're in some discussions at the moment with some fantastic organisations to do so. So go straight to the pain point of our consumers being and our target demographic being those who don't have access um, people in these situations go to uh, uh, mobile laundry services to wash their clothes and to have a shower. Yep. So by partnering with these organizations, we then give our pairs of underwear to them. So each time they go, they get a pair of underwear as well. Great. So that's our main sort of line of distribution wow. uh, in terms of helping them out. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, yeah, cool. You. And so talk me through how you approach designing a business model that allows for that idea to scale. Yeah, exactly. So we're at a really exciting point in time at the moment and trying to do what we're doing, it'd be a little contradictory if we weren't trying to be sustainable and ethical while we're doing it. Mm-hmm. So we're really focused on providing a pair of underwear that is going to be good for us and good for them um, and good for the whole community, but also good for the environment too. Yes. So what we're looking to do, what we are doing is uh, manufacturing in a rayon fiber material called Micromodol. So this fiber has inherent qualities of... Uh, moisture wickness, uh, so it's moisture wicking. Uh, it's quite durable. Yes. It's really conforming, and it's made from bamboo. Okay. Um, and we're in discussions now with uh, manufacturers here in Australia who are all ethically certified uh, and making sure that we can carry that accreditation across to give the confidence to consumers and the people we're trying to help out that this is sourced ethically mm-hmm. uh, and it's given and it's benefiting the whole community from the manufacturing industry uh, to the consumer and to those who don't have much at all. Right. Okay. So talk to me about the brand Spare Pair and recent hires within the team. Yeah, for sure. And how you've gone about attempting to establish the brand further and really give it a a look and feel that's that's recognizable to the consumer. Yeah, for sure. So I guess, uh, like I said, it started out with just the idea myself. And then I realized I need someone who's going to be dedicated, who I can trust and who can really uh, complement my weaknesses. And yep. no better person than my best mate of 10 years named Josh Furman. His name's Josh Furman. Yep. Um, we've, we've sort of done everything together. We both do law and arts at university. We're both school captains, both went to the same school yep. and, and both done everything together. And that was a really big turning point for us mm-hmm. because doing this by myself for sort of one or two months, I kept hitting roadblocks and I kept realizing there was things that I didn't know how to do or I needed someone to yep. bounce ideas off. Yep. So seeing, so bringing him on as a co-founder was absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then we got to the issue of, well, we're starting a company that's looking to provide undergarments as our minimum viable product and our MVP. Yes. Um, we can't design underwear. 
Yep. I can draw a really bad Bart Simpson. I can draw a really, really bad stick figure, but I can't design retail quality underwear. Yep. So then that's another roadblock that we hit. Um, and this just took a lot of time and effort into sourcing people. We had a few people come, come on board and we interviewed them and, and yep. sort of, we were looking for someone who had the same passion as us. Yep. And that's when, just by pure coincidence, we stumbled across our designer. Her name is Claudia Senseric, and she's absolutely fantastic. So um, she works in the fashion industry and has actively been seeking uh, occupation to uh, help the homeless. Uh, recently, she's been putting scraps of clothes that she's got through her job together to try and, to try and make clothes and to try and provide some sort of value. Yep. And this sort of opportunity just fell into her lap. So... Mm-hmm. We could not thank her enough and having such a valuable team and a team that's got the same passion as you is just super invaluable. Okay, so for a startup, when you're obviously trying to um, control the perception of your business and the quality and the branding and the look and feel, how important is... Look, I'm asking this question because from our perspective, design is a huge piece. So at Enterprise Monkey where we build websites, mobile apps... Design and the user experience is really key. For sure. And it's it's important for our clients because obviously it provides a good product, but it also looks great to an investor, for example, who's looking at a product that's been assembled in a lean manner yeah. to go, wow, this is amazing. This looks great. I can see it. Yeah. Which is a, a really big discounted area is like being able to see the vision sure. of a business. For sure. And design, although it's one element, it really can just take care of that equation so well so talk to me about the difference you've noticed since your design resource has been on board and the type of work they've done that has really just taken it to another level for sure and i guess with that point branding is super important so making sure that we have an identifiable brand and a look that's unique to us yes um and and provides people with okay that's spare pair this is what they do i'm now a part of it and that whole sort of okay, I see you wearing spare pair, I'm wearing spare pair, we're instantly part of a community. Yep. So what she's done is she's come on board and she's helped us design, helped us configure our logo. She's helped us configure undergarment designs, mm-hmm. trying to make them unique, trying to make them uh, positioned and targeted towards the consumer, something that people are going to enjoy wearing mm-hmm. and something that's going to feel inclusive like they're part of something. Yep. And obviously with underwear, it's a little hard to see what other people are wearing, but that's why we initially pivoted. We were initially called spare pair underwear. Mm-hmm. And that's when we realized, well, we can provide so much more value if we get rid of the underwear and just call ourselves spare pair because there's yep. so many spares we can give. Um, it's just a matter of working on those things with, like I said, underwear being our minimum viable product. Yep. Um, so, for instance, when we start looking into manufacturing socks, yes, we provide ourselves with the logo on the sock a unique feel, a unique style. Mm-hmm, totally. The fact that, you know, if you're sitting in a business meeting, you're sitting down at the co- for a coffee or you see someone sitting on the street and you're walking past, that instantly cuts the barriers between you and them and you're part of the same community. Wow, I love that. So you're making that connection so, between so the person who's donated it. Yeah, correct. Wow, so, so what we're trying to do is get rid of this apprehension because, you know, we're all people and as, as a humans, one of our most fundamental needs is connection. And, and, and friendship and the feeling and sense of belonging. Mm-hmm. So by creating a tangible product, it gets rid of these sort of um, these invisible barriers mm-hmm. and we start building a community. And rather than us and them, it just becomes together and becomes this, this whole big movement of just creating awareness for something that really does get swept under the table wow. um, and provides a tangible recognition of, hey, we're all here together. We're all here to help each other. And like I said before, there's so much strength and power in collaboration 
And there's so many people who just need that extra kick and that extra boost to get going. Yep. Think of all the value that we can create and they can create too if we just give everyone a chance. Totally. Okay, yeah. so talk to me about the trajectory of the business and where you see it in five years' time. Yep. And also give me an idea just for startups watching and listening of the biggest challenge you face to date and the next challenge that you potentially foresee okay. coming your way. For sure. And then where you think the business, where you'd like it to be in five years. Yeah, for sure. So I guess at the moment, um, Josh and I are both full-time university students. Yep. You're doing law arts. So I'm doing law arts. How many contact hours a week is that? Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. So um, <laughs> so with lectures and you know different sort of subjects, I'd say it's around 20 contact hours. Yep. But um, with the study, lots of reading, lots yep. of reading, um, lots of revision, lots of study. Just as a quick aside, can you read... Um, your textbooks for law via audio. Could, could you do that if you wanted to? Um, we can, n- not through the textbooks that I know of. Yep. The textbooks that we're provided, um, I don't think have audio book equivalents. I just find personally, I yeah. consume a book or Fair. a novel or anything so yeah. much quicker. Oh, yeah, for sure. And you can multitask a lot easier too. I mean, logging around a textbook can be very... Uh, True. Drain. But how hard is it to multi? Can you multitask whilst reading about law? Probably not. <laughs> you sort of listen to main concepts and you go to the lecture yeah. and you pick up on little things. There's little tips and tricks you learn on the way. By, by fourth year, you sort of understand what you can and can't do. That's it. Sorry, mate. We'll get back to No, no, track. that's fine. That's fine. So, so, so it's taking up a lot of your time, right? So is what you're getting at is that one of the biggest challenges is juggling the progression of the business and your studies. Correct. So that, that's definitely something that's a, yep. a challenge. And time is always going to be a challenge. Yep. Um, and what I find is uh, what we're working on and this and this and the company we're trying to build and our company we're trying to scale yep. is just such a huge passion of mine. <clears throat> um, you know, we get to these fantastic points in time and then exams pop up. Or we, we, we get to these fantastic points in time where things are going really well and something sort of gets in the way. So we've yep. both got a year and a half left yes. um, of our university degrees. Um, but at the same time, every waking moment, we're working on spare pair and trying to grow. Yep. Um, and, and it's our sole mission to make this um, really impactful and a success so we can provide as much value to so many people who just don't have access to it. And what's, what's, the, what's the next biggest challenge? Is it getting a prototype? Is it getting a product made? Is it uh, finding funding? Is it uh, sourcing more expertise for the business? Like what, what would be the next challenge likely that a startup may... Yeah, I, I, guess, I guess it is a very multi-layered question. Um, I mean, obviously, there's always going to be um, challenges with funding, um, speaking to people. One thing we've been very successful on is is communicating the idea and getting people to jump on board. So yep. we're very, very fortunate about that. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess funding's a big issue, and also um, I guess marketing and getting it out there and making sure we do yep. it right. Um, you know, not always, not always looking to um, do things for perfection because I think if you wait too long to perfect things that's when you sort of lag behind. So getting things done, getting them out there, iterating, pivoting, understanding what our consumers want yep. and then giving it to them. So just quickly on that, for a startup, how do you most quickly and easily go about conducting that um, that marketing research of your, your customer base, you know, in like a, a timely but also an inexpensive manner? Yeah, for sure. You know, like how do you do that and, and know that the pool that you've gone out to... Yeah is going to be relatively accurate and, yeah. and worthwhile. Fantastic question. Um, we, we've been doing a few different things. Um, one of those is obviously just going out there and talking to people, saying, okay, yep. this is what we're doing, this is what we're growing. 
are you interested? What do you want? What don't you like? What don't you want? Understanding it that way. Yep. Um, another really effective me- method is called A-B testing. Okay. Um, and what you do is uh, you create sort of two, two marketing campaigns yes. with sort of similar things but varying qualities as well. Yep. And you put one out, you put them both out at the same time and you see the audience that are attracted to either. Yes, so you sure. can So you can look at marketing techniques there and say, okay, well, uh, 50% of our audience like this and, and only 49 like this and or mm-hmm. most people were attracted to this quality of our product where others were attracted to that. So there's that sort of testing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and also too, what we're really into at the moment is focus groups and running focus groups, meeting people and creating a concentrated environment where okay. we get a cross-section of our perceived um, yes. consumer base. Uh, and so from, just, uh, just share with me for a yeah. startup, how did you set, this is really important, how did you set up how did you set up a focus group? Is that one on me as well? Yep. How did you set up a focus group? Yeah, so we're in the process of actually doing this now, which is really exciting. So yep. what, we, what we've really done for our focus group is, first of all, ascertain what are our goals and objectives? So what yep. do we want to learn from the focus group mm-hmm. and what do we want to get from it? So we come up with about five or six objectives, like what do people want to see in our product? Mm-hmm. What do people find most important? We're trying to ascertain how they purchase the product, yep. all this kind of stuff. From that, we've then structured questions around those main goals. So how, what the questions that we pose are open-ended questions to yep. elicit discussion mm-hmm. and uh, promote sort of like a, a really inclusive environment of a cross-section of what our perceived audience is yep. and understand, okay, um, say for instance, instead of saying, do you like the website? It's what do you like about the website? Yes. Um, and, under, and kind of create this discussion around different people and, and see what they really enjoy and what they don't enjoy so much. Yep. And then also too, I mean, uh, I guess your traditional focus groups are between five and five, 10, 15 people, quite okay. small and intimate. Yep. What we're looking to do is a larger focus group, mm-hmm. um, more of a, so we get uh, people from the younger age spectrum, the older, older age spectrum, uh, in between university students, full-time workers. Yep. Um, what do they find most valuable when purchasing undergarments or how do they see social change or how do they want to see social impact initiated or mm-hmm. the methods for to do so. So that's been really interesting, I think. And we're in the process of developing this bigger scaled focus group at yep. the moment. Um, and so far, there's been quite a lot of interest in, in getting involved from people as well. Okay, so with this type of product, here's another really good question for startups listening who've maybe put together their startup in a lean manner and they're yep. trying to understand if I'm going to try a form of marketing yep. and get some money behind me to be able to do that, where would influencer marketing sit with your type of product and do you think it would be relevant for your product? For sure. I think influencer marketing... And just explain to the audience your impression of influencer marketing as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I think influencer marketing is... Uh, it, it can be a fantastic tool. Yep. I think what influencer marketing does is it provides people with the, um, the comfortability. So, for instance, uh, they see someone they know and trust. Yep. And they see them using a product or a service. Yep. And they instantly have this sense of um, comfortability with that product and they go, okay, if this person endorses it, um, I'm going to endorse it too. But I think it's important that uh, your product and they, they, your product aligns with their values and their values align with your product as well. So say for instance, um, someone who's heavily involved in say the wine industry Mm -hmm. might not be the best fit for our undergarments and underwear. 
yep. because that's just because there can be ineffective and effective influencer marketing too. So look yep. for people who are look who are maybe already doing good social change or who are in a similar sort of industry to you. Yes, I think because then inherently you're going to get a consumer base that's going to be interested. Yep. Um, and you're going to get the most value out of that influence marketing. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I think it's a, a fantastic way to, to get your product out there and mm-hmm. something that Spare Pair um, would de- is, is looking to do and mm-hmm. will definitely look to do um, in the future because I think any sort of um, true brand endorsement and celebrity endorsement yeah. to influence for us is, is just positive for everyone. Okay, cool. So I think what's what's really stood out um, from today's episode is that you've managed to put together your startup in a lean manner. You haven't actually um, produced any um, products as such yet, but because you've gone through the process of validating the the solution and getting that buy-in from people, it sounds like you're primed for being able to launch into that next phase, which Correct. is okay we're going out to market for an investor because we need help in setting up manufacturing, da 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 But it sounds like the way you've gone about it, would you agree, has put you in really good stead for an investor to go, wow, I can see that business is thought through. Yeah, for and sure. that's worth investing in, and yeah? And we, we've learned and we've iterated and we've pivoted. And I think that's so important. I think if you go out there and you block out external influences and questions and, you know, like, like today or like many other times, people yep. try and delve in and get the nitty gritty of what you're doing and it challenges you and it can be really difficult at times and sometimes yep. you want to, I think your initial instinct is like, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, my idea is really good, what are you talking about? But the most valuable thing you'll get out of it is accepting those criticisms and going, okay, if you think there's an issue or you're criticizing, what would you propose? Yep. Be really open to it because I think the, the entrepreneurship space and the startup space is so welcoming for those who want to innovate and adapt and, and create that it's, it shouldn't be seen in a negative light. It should yep. be extremely positive. Yep, gotcha. Um, so, I, and also being lean too, it cuts your losses. Um, if you go out there and you don't listen to anyone's advice or criticism yep. um, and you're essentially building a product that no one wants, or a service that no one wants and you spent all this money and maybe even got investment money um, and it just contributes to nothing. So yeah. if you spend the hard yards and you spend a little bit of time going through the paces, going through the motions and understanding what do my consumers want yeah. and how can I provide it to them exactly how, exactly how they want it or, or how they want it and what value can I provide to them, um, you're going to end up more successful in the end. So five years time, where are we? Five years time, I, I envision <laughs> spare pair being more than just an, un- an underwear company. Yep. Um, my vision for Spare Pair is to become a movement. And I, myself and my, my co-partner, Josh, um, yep. we love public speaking and we love telling people and teaching people and, and, and explaining to people and including people in everything that we do. Yep. Um, so I want it to be, I want Spare Pair and the underwear and the products we provide to be the vehicle for change. I want them to yep. be the initial um, interaction between us and our consumers but I ultimately want it to be a voice for people who don't have a voice, a value vehicle for those who don't have access and a Mm -hmm. hub where people can collaboratively um, provide and -hmm. receive at the same time. And hopefully we can really create impact in reducing that number, which is 3 million people living below the poverty line um, and providing value in fun, exciting and creative ways um, and just really bring light and attention um, to, to the issue. And not only here in Australia, but hopefully on a bigger impact, who knows, on a global impact, um, yep. even through uh, us talking and us creating and us, us sharing our mission and our story and, and what we do and providing it to everyone. Because I think, mm-hmm. like I said, there's real value in collaborative collaboration mm-hmm. and numbers. And um, 
that's what we are. We're a big inclusive company looking for everyone's help um, to make everlasting impact. So what's the number one thing you'd like people to do with regards to Spare Pair from here? Is it to subscribe? Is it to like you on Facebook? Yeah. Is it to, yeah what would you like people to do ideally from, from today? What action could they take? From today, um, we have our sort of MVP uh, website up. I'd love everyone to go and check our website, which is www.sparepair.com. Yes. Um, feel free to jump on LinkedIn, search my name, Bo Arnfield, yes. um, and connect with me. I'd love to connect and, and tell you everyone more about everything that we do. Um, and also uh, follow us on our social media pages. We're looking to do a bit of a, bit of a soft launch to everyone more inclusively very soon. Um, and yeah, Spare Pair AU on Instagram and Twitter and Spare Pair on Facebook and the Spare Pair LinkedIn page will be up soon as well. So yeah, follow me, follow Josh, Josh Furman um, on our journey to yeah, creating Spare Pair and creating massive change. Great. All right, well, Bo Arnfield from Spare Pair, thank you so much for your time no, on today's episode. Thank you so much. It's been awesome. Yeah, thank you can't very wait much. for you guys to see this and hear it. It's going to be great. And uh, we look forward to tracking the journey of Spare Pair. Yes. And we'll have to hold you to getting back onto the show within the next six months oh, and see of course, how the development's of going. Awesome. Thanks cool. for your time. Thank you so much. Thanks, Bo. Pleasure. Cheers.